You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Since I've heard that song, and that was powerful. Thank you, Eli, for singing that for us. Mark chapter number four in your Bibles this morning. Mark chapter number four. And again, if you are visiting, please stop by the table in the back as you leave. Grab a gift bag for being here with us. We have a group from North Valley Baptist Church up here. On their senior trip, they did Knott's, then Disney, then Universal Studios, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So all of us SoCal people are like, you're crazy. What are you doing? But uh, they're here, and Chris and Tabitha Fernera are leading them. He's the principal of the school up there and the friends of ours forever, it seems like. And so we're thankful to have them in church with us. Also thankful to have Brother John and Miss Ruby back. And uh, I, you don't think I noticed those socks, brother, but I did. Those are great socks, guitar socks there. And uh, we certainly missed you folks. I want to encourage you as you're finding your place in Mark chapter 4, the spring revival next Sunday Uh, We have the men's barbecue, then combined Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, with Brother Dan Carr, and then Monday night and Tuesday night. You, if you miss out on that, you are missing out. Brother Carr is a southern fireball. Uh, He is a preacher. He is a pastor. He loves people. He's not mean. He's not going to uh, say things that are offensive, you know, not that we have people that do that, but, but he is a very kind but very firm preacher. You're going to love him. If you did not hear him last time he was here, which was only like five or six months ago, you will love Dan Carr. I think it's impossible not to. I love Brother Carr. Looking forward to having him here. And uh, so let's be in our spots. And let's be here Monday night, and let's be here Tuesday night. We've got enough time to plan it. We'll have food and the, after the evening services there. But uh, we, we're having him coming in. So let's be here, and let's be in our spot. Let's give him an Amen. And all of that when he's here, okay? Mark chapter number four, we're continuing with our series on Sunday morning in the parables of Jesus. And uh, these are stories that change lives. And so this, is, I believe, is our eighth one. And uh, we're kind of going through a section by section of these parables. And we're in a section where Jesus is using a lot of talk about uh, 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 agriculture, talking about seeds and sowers and fields and all of that. I think this is a more famous one. We're going to look at today the mustard seed, the mustard seed, and uh, see three verses that, that Jesus does not explain to us what it means. And so he's wanting us to use a, spiritual, a little bit of a spiritual discernment to find out what is this really talking about. So I want you to look at the verses, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 30 through 32. And again, this is after the, the last uh, passage we just studied last week about the unconscious growth there. But look at verse 30. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, groweth up, becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. That's the whole parable. 
I want to pray and talk this morning, preach about the mustard seed. Father, bless, I pray, the next few minutes we have in church. Thank you so much for your people being in church today. Thank you for our visitors that are here today. I pray they'd feel right at home. I pray that they'd feel the friendliness of our church. I pray, I pray they'd find help uh, in the word of God as it's preached today. But I pray that we'd all have ears to hear what you have to say. And God, I really pray that we would want to know your word. We, want to have, uh, we, we would have a thirst and a hunger for the word of God, for a change in our personal lives, and a passion about the things of God as well. So bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know there are some strong opinions out there about mustard? Let me ask you, how many of you love mustard? Anybody? Okay, many of you. How many of you hate mustard? It really seems like those are the only two options. Is anyone like, I, could, I, I don't care either way? Is anybody like that? Okay, I was totally wrong. There's a total, whole other group of you that's right in the middle. You're lukewarm, and uh, that's disgusting to God. Anyway, but uh, we've got, uh, there's usually, when I've talked to people, it's like one or the other. My wife and I, when we went to watch, uh, we went to, went to watch the fine arts competition uh, just a few days ago, and we got to go to Sonic Burger. I don't know if you've ever been to Sonic Drive-In, and uh, I like Sonic. I grew up on Sonic in Arkansas, and uh, you may not think it's great quality food, and it's not, but I like it. And uh, their burger, if you just get mustard on it, man, it's so good. Any other time, I'm like, no on mustard, usually. But, but there are usually strong opinions about there. The Middle East is a great environment to grow mustard. In the United States, it's usually the Pacific Northwest where the mustard grows, but in, in uh, the Middle East would be a perfect in, in environment. Mustard plants have a deep taproot system that uh, thrives in sandy soils and thrives in full sun, which you're going to get all of that over there. So that's a, this is something that people would have known. They would have known a mustard plant, and, uh, and really not really a tree. We would, we would call it a plant or an herb, but they normally grow around three feet some, you know, up to 12 feet uh, in the normal range, but there are some that have been recorded, uh, mustard plants that have grown over 20 feet. Some people have claimed to see them even 30 feet tall. And they, what's known about them is they spread out, and uh, some have been 20 feet in diameter with the little thing, and it's not even a tree, it's a, it's a plant. And, uh, but, however, when you see that big tree, if you've seen a mustard seed at all, they're tiny. They're one to two millimeters. They're, they're incredibly small. Now, my wife and I, when we got engaged, which seems like eons ago, was back in 2006, and we took a picture in a mustard field. I don't, I don't know if my, was, was it your dad that took the picture or somebody came out with us, and we took the picture in this field in Napa in, uh, in the mustard field. We have this picture for you. Now, before you show the picture... Would you keep in mind that this was 2006, a long time ago? All right, you can see some writing on it because it's from our advertisement. All right, show the picture. Here, here it is. All right. Now, my wife looks beautiful, just as, just as more beautiful today than she did then. This is before I started packing on all that muscle that I now have. It was, it was right before I just started really lifting heavy and uh, getting all that muscle. I look like I'm seven years old in this picture. You just got engaged, yes. I couldn't even grow a, a, a mustache. Probably still can't, actually. But anyway, but, uh, it, it, that was a long time ago. But if you look in the background, okay, you can see mustard everywhere. That's the mustard field. Now, show the next slide, if you would, here, because this is a mustard seed. I wanted you to see this. Sometimes visually seeing things in our day and age is good. That is not my finger, okay? But that is a finger, 
And look at the tiny, tiny seed. Now, is the mustard seed the smallest seed in the world? No, it's not the smallest seed in the world, but it is, it is the smallest type of seed. I mean, it is, it is tiny and it is very small. But notice what it's talking about here. It's saying that from this small grain of mustard seed grows something where even the fowls of the air can lodge under the shadow of it. So what is this parable that Jesus is not explaining to us that expects us to use some spiritual discernment? Well, look, if you would, again, at verse 30. It says, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? So he's saying, I want to explain something spiritual to you. So how can I do that? I'm going to give you a parable, an illustration, a story to help you understand how you can better understand something that is spiritual in nature. The kingdom of God. And so it's a spiritual realm here and now. The kingdom of God, where God reigns spiritually right now in our own lives. How can we understand that better? Well, here's the parable. Now, the parable seems to be talking. And I'll give you the interpretation, then we're going to see some application in a moment. The parable seems to be talking about the incredible growth of Christianity in the church. From humble origins. A small seed There was a carpenter that came to earth 2,000 years ago, humbly came to earth. When he left Jesus, when he ascended back to heaven, how many people were there? If you remember in the book of Acts chapter 1, there was 120 people that met in the upper room to pray. But if you remember, the next chapter later, chapter 2, is when Pentecost happened. And when Pentecost happened, Peter preaches and 3,000 people are added to the church. Now, I would love that to happen. I would love to preach and then 3,000 people be like, I'm all in. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. But but that is what happened. It was small in uh, in its beginnings, but man, it began to widen out and spread like wildfire. And that's what happened at the beginning. So that's what happens with Christianity and spiritual things. It can have a small, humble origin but when God gets in it, when, God, when God's power gets into something, boy, there's no stopping what it can do. And that ought to be an encouragement to us. This tree, so to speak, which was really a plant, but called a tree because it got so big, kept growing. The church has continued to grow. And there are people all over the world today sheltering under its branches. There's people right now in China, in communist China, that uh, you know, doesn't allow churches and, and doesn't allow preaching that are sheltered under the protection of a church right now because of Christianity and the church reaching out. There's people in Russia, there are people in Ukraine right now. We know there are Christians there. The gospel has reached to a lot of places. That's an interpretation of the parable. But I want to get to today, how does this help us? What are the applications? What can we preach about? What can we we take home? I want to show you three things this morning. Because I've told you a million times, every good Baptist message has how many points? Three points. Every good one. So next week, if I preach four points, you'll know this is not as good. Or maybe the more points, the better. You know what? We have 27 points this morning. I'm changing my mind. 27 applications. Now, number one, I want to show you something. First of all, I want you to see the, the perception of the seed The perception of the seed. And again, look at verse number 31. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. The mustard seed is is one of the smallest seeds out there. 
But again, look what comes from that seed. What's, what's an application here? Outward appearances don't count for much. It doesn't show what's really on the inside. Little is much when God is in it. Amen? Amen to that. It is a small seed, but that doesn't tell the whole story. It is a small seed, but it has great potential inside of that seed. Now remember, we're talking about the church here, but we can apply it to ourselves too because we are the church. And I want to show you just something here. You know, I, I've heard, uh, I don't possess any jewelry, but uh, uh, some people have jewelry with mustard seed in them. Does anybody have jewelry with a mustard seed in it? Okay, my wife, Mrs. Camus, all right, Martha, some others. Bring it. No, I'm kidding. We know, we, we, you, you probably have it somewhere. It became a popular thing a while back, you know, to have a little mustard seed in there. But what's it symbolizing? Oftentimes, it symbolizes our faith, Right? Our faith, because the only other time mustard is mentioned in the Bible is if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed. It's very small. But what could something so small be capable of? Well, it's capable of, of a great amount, as we see here. Now look at verse 31 again. I want you to draw your attention to two words in this verse. I want to draw your attention to two words when it applies to us as a church and, 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 and we as individuals as well. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sowed in the earth is less than... Less than. You know, a lot of people feel less than. A lot, of, a lot of churches feel less than. Less important than somebody else. Less loved than somebody else. Less liked than somebody else. Less wanted than somebody else. Less of a person than somebody else. Less handsome or beautiful. And the list goes on and on. Some people have a less than mentality. Some people deal with churches this way, and, and they have a less than mentality when it comes to church. Church is less important than my baseball game. Church is less important than, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that TV show. Church is less important than, church, than, uh, uh, than work. Church is less important than my hobbies. Church is less than, and, and, and look, I want to show you that in the Bible, God doesn't have a less than interpretation when it comes to the church. God thinks the church is greater than most things. And God wants you to be in the house of God. Amen? Yeah, because God doesn't view church as less than. God doesn't view church as less important than my, than my job. or my No, it's important. God, Jesus died for the church, not for my job. Jesus died for the church, so he views the church as greater than, not less than, greater than. And that's what the next verse says. When it is sown, it groweth and becomes greater than. So you can view church as less than, or you can view church as greater than. And I hope you would say, hey, the, the way I look at church, the way I perceive church, is, it may be a small thing, and we don't have 10,000 members, but what we have here is more important than other things that are outside these walls. Church is greater than in my life. Remember when I was working, I got a job when I was 16 in Illinois, Tennessee, Illinois, and I, I started working at Eagle Food Stores. It would be like a Vons or an Albertson, something like that. And I tell you, I got that job as a 16-year-old. They were making me work 37, 38 hours a week, going to school and doing that. It was not wise. And then in the summertime in Illinois, I don't know if you all know this, it gets hot 
It's cold in the winter, hot in the summer. I mean, it is just the extreme temperatures. And I remember, look, when I started working there, there was other kids in high school that worked there too. And, but I was the new guy. I was the lowest man on the totem pole in the entire organization. If someone did not want to do something, get Eli to do it, okay? I was less than. I, I, I was the one they would call when these dear old ladies wanted to buy six 75-pound bags of salt so they could put it in their driveway to melt the ice and snow, which I'm thinking, like, these, you're going to break your back. You're going to snap in half trying to lift the bag. How are you going to do that? But I'll take it to your car. And that was me. I was pushing carts in the parking lot. I was cleaning up spills. I was less. I was less important than many people. But, you know, I feel like a lot of people have that mentality about life. I'm less important than so-and-so. I'm less talented than so-and-so. I'm less useful than so-and-so, than this person. I don't have as much as this person. I am less than. And you know what? If people, by the way, there are people in life that try to make you feel less than. You shouldn't listen to those people because they're dumb. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Well, they are, all right? Because you shouldn't feel less than. Yes, I know we say this all. We're a sinner saved by grace. But Jesus did die for us. He thinks we're pretty valuable. Yes, there's nothing good in and of ourselves, but we do have, if you've been saved, you do have Christ inside, and, and there is, and Jesus does think you're valuable. When you have a less than mentality, you're neglecting the, uh, the value of the seed. When you view church as less than, then, then you are neglecting the value of the church. And when you view yourself that way, I could never be used of God. Hey, take a deep breath. If you are breathing... God wants to use you. If you were able to take breath in and breathe breath out, God wants to use your life. I think about Brother Rick Martin, our missionary to the Philippines. I tell you, if you many of you don't know, probably have never seen a picture of Rick Martin. They have like 12,000 people in their church in the Philippines. Um, in um, wherever, this, wherever the church is. I can't forget, remember the name of it. But, but uh, they have a huge church in the Philippines. Rick Martin is about 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and probably like 105 pounds. I mean, he is just, that may be an exaggeration. He may be less. But uh, he, he is a small guy. He's always been that way. I remember when I was in college, he came and preached a missions conference when I was in college. And he, he, he stood up there. He, he read every single word that he preached from a note. I don't know that probably anyone has ever said after Rick Martin preached a message that was the greatest, most alliterated message I've ever heard in my entire life. But can I tell you something? Little is much when God is in it. And that man and his wife went to the Philippines and Elo Elo Baptist Church, thousands upon that. They have sent out hundreds of missionaries from their church. Now, if you would have seen Rick Martin in college, college you would have probably thought less than. Less than. He's not the basketball player. He's not got the personality. He doesn't have the charisma. Who cares? He had God all over him. That's what mattered. So it doesn't matter how people perceive uh, uh, you or the church. It matters how you perceive the church. How important you think it is. Remember when I was younger, uh, I, I met um, a, a pastor's wife uh, that was my father-in-law's pastor at, at, uh, in Louisiana, and uh, her name was uh, Mrs. Buchanan. 
And I remember I was down there in that area when Faith and I, I don't know if we were married or what, but I got to meet this pastor's wife who had been a pastor's wife for all these years. We were talking. I'll never forget, she walked up to me and she grabbed my arm and just slapped me. No, I'm just kidding. She, she grabbed my arm and she said, I want you to know, Eli, you are loved, needed, and wanted. And she was looking me right in the eyes. You are loved, needed, and wanted. I tell you, I was like, you know, you never know that you need something like that, but I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, like, later on, I, it just, no one had ever said something like that to me. My wife is like, you are hated, you are, no, I'm just kidding, uh, but I'm just joking. But, the, but that lady said that to me, and so later on, it meant so much, my wife got it engraved on a money clip. Now, here's the problem, I don't have any money, so I don't carry the clip around, but I have it somewhere. But, you know, I started thinking about that, and, and it's not about getting a big head about yourself, but it's to realize that, no, God loves you. The love of God in your life is absolutely important. I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder if the, the lad with seven loaves and two fishes, I wonder if he felt less than. I wonder if the, the lady with the alabaster box felt less than. I wonder if the disciples ever felt less than. And I just want to tell you this morning that God can do something amazing with your life if you let him. You're not less than. The greatness, by the way, isn't you. The greatness is the one you have faith in. The greatness is in God. The greatness is in Jesus. The greatness is in the gospel, not in you. The only other time, the, 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 like I said, the word mustard is talked about in the Bible is, is, to, is when we're told to have faith. Faith in God. Even small faith makes a big difference because it's not about our faith, it's about our big God. So the perception of the seed. How do you, how do you view church? Well, it's less than. Boy, you're not going to get what you can out of church. How do you view your usefulness to God? I could do anything. Some people have a greater than mentality. I'm greater than everyone else here. Why hasn't pastor asked me to preach? I've been in church three weeks. You know, I, I'm doing so much. I am greater than my Sunday school teacher. I am great. Now, you're going to have the wrong attitude because God's going to humble you. And, and you're going to have to be humble. But I'm going to tell you something. If you think, hey, little as much as when God is in it, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I don't have much, but, but I'm going to give it all to God. God can do something with that. How do you perceive it? But I want to say secondly here, not only the perception of the seed, I want you to see verse 32, the power inside the seed. The power inside the seed. Look at verse 32. But when it is sown, when it is put in the ground, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. It was amazing during COVID, you know, when, when church, uh, we were online for just a little bit there, and then, you know, folks are still in and out. We still have folks still watching online. God bless you folks. I hope you'll be able to make it back to church soon. It's just totally different being church in church than watching online. But some of the teenagers and young people in our church, when I didn't see them for six months or something, you come back and you're expecting to shake their hand, and now you're like, you know, they, something grew. Like they're, they're bigger now, and uh, we didn't expect that. But I want you to see this seed here that we're talking about. It goes from less than to greater than because there was power that God put in that seed. Seeds grow. That's what they're supposed to do. It's small, but it's powerful. Lots of power wrapped in a tiny package. I think about Mike Tyson. Probably not the best role model. All right? I wouldn't say he's the best role model biting ears and all this other stuff. 
But I tell you, I, I, as a young man watching that guy fight, a man that was small, but man, there was some power in, in that tiny package, right? That the seed can grow to incredible proportions because of the potential power within it. I like to read stories about nuclear bombs and, and the things like that. It just interests me. Think about an atom. So small we can't even see it. But the power that's inside of that through fission, when, it's, when it collides, when it is split, and uh, how it multiplies and just becomes what we would know as an atomic bomb, that's a lot of power that God packed into the smartest particle on the earth, an atom. I mean, that's a lot of power there. You know, we, we may be small compared to everything else on this earth, but we got a big God inside of us. We do. Hey, we gather at church today. The power of God is inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit of God inside, inside of us. So if we're looking around at church and our personal lives and we're not seeing the power of God, what's wrong? If we're not seeing the power of God in our soul winning, what's wrong? If we're not seeing the power of God where he's speaking to us and we're coming to an altar and making decisions, what's wrong? If we're not seeing the power of God in our ministries, what's wrong? If we're not seeing the power of God in our prayer life, what's wrong? Because God is here and he has all power the Holy Spirit of God is inside of us, so where's the power? Why does our walk with God sometimes seem like a crawl with God? Why is it that, that we can lose passion over spiritual things so easily? Why aren't we, we seeing the power like we want to see the power? Why don't we have victory over sin like we want to? The power is available, so why aren't we seeing it? Why aren't we seeing it? The problem isn't church in general. The problem is that we're the church and individually we're not seeing the power of God like we ought to see. The problem is our, our personal relationship with God is often the problem. The problem is not a power shortage. The problem is a personal shortage when it comes to our time with God. Billy Sunday, great preacher of yesteryear, said, he that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. You've heard the quote before, what you do with the Bible determines what God does with you. I think about R.A. Torrey who took over after D.L. Moody in Chicago and R.A. Torrey said this, you may talk about power, but if you neglect the one book that God has given you as the instrument through which he imparts and exercises his power, you will not have it. 99 Christians in every 100 are merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, 99 Christians in every 100 are mere weaklings when they may be giants. And if we're looking in our life today and we're saying, I don't have prayer, or saying, Sir, and I'm not seeing my ministries grow, and I'm not seeing this happen and this happen, perhaps we need to go back to the source of power and saying, God, how am I clogging it up? God, how, what's wrong with my prayer life that, that uh, it's not reaching you and they're not seeing the results because the power is in no shortage? So we have to look at, what are we doing? What's wrong here? I read a story about years ago during the Tournament of Roses, the, the, the Rose Parade on New Year's Day. There was a float that was going through the New Year's Parade and in the middle of the parade it just sputtered and died. And so the whole parade had to wait for someone to grab a can of gasoline and bring it to the float so that it could keep going. Now what's funny about that is the float was advertising the Standard Oil Company. 
So a place with all the provision, a place with a vast supply, ran out. They had it, they had it, they could have had it, but they didn't have it. You know, we have the resources of God. Why aren't we using them? I wonder how many prayers God would answer if we actually prayed. I wonder how many miracles God would do in our life if we actually got on our face before God and spent time with him and we got in his word and said, God, I'm going to treat this Bible as important and it's greater than anything else in my life, not less than. I wonder what God would do because there's power. We got to tap into it. It's not God's fault. Hey, when is the last time that you came to church saying, God, work in my life today? Not my will, but thine be done. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I'm coming to church today, God, with both ears open. Speak to me today. When's the last time we did that? When's the last time we said, God, draw my heart closer to you? God, when I come to church today, work in my life and show me your power and do something great in my life. When I was in college, I remember someone challenged us to pray before every class. And I'd go to class and I'd sit down in my seat and, uh, and pray. Before every class, before every test especially, can I tell you. I pray, God, speak to my heart during class today. When I go to church, God, speak to my heart. When I open the word of God every day, I say, God, open now mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, teach me. Every morning when I go through my prayer time and I say, Lord, take my feet and order my steps today. Take my hands and help me to work hard for you today. Take my mouth, help me to speak the truth in love. God, help me to share the gospel. God, with my ears, help me to listen today. I want me to hearken to your voice. I want to be tuned into you. I don't want to be tuned into the world. I want to be tuned into you today. Is that how we feel when we come to church? God, my ears are open. My ears are open. You know, can I tell you why a lot of churches don't have power today? They're more interested in tree growing than seed sowing. A lot of churches are lacking power today because they're more interested in tree growing than seed sowing. We don't, we don't decide how the tree grows. We, we don't decide how big God makes something. Jesus said, I will build my church. But you know what we do decide? If we sow the seed. We need to be more concerned in our church with sowing the seed than growing the tree. Jesus will grow the tree if we sow the seed. Let's make sure we're sowing the seed like we ought to. A little bit of quietness there. I'm wondering if we're, if we're sowing the seed like we ought to. The perception of the seed, the power of the seed. Lastly and quickly, the protection of the tree. Look at your Bible here and we're almost done. Chapter 4, verse 32. But when it is sown, groweth up, becometh greater than all herbs, shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Shooting out branches, now that now the birds are lodging. When we walk home, uh, right around the corner here, our house is just, is just right down the way here. We walk every day to church. There's a huge tree that blocks our path. It drives me nuts, but it does block our path. And every, especially during the summer, when we get up and we're walking out, what do we hear? We hear the birds. They're protected in the tree. That's where they live. The protection here is what it's talking about. Now, what's interesting about this, let me just say this. The, the, the picture of the great tree with birds lodging in the branches is a cool picture because it's also used in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Ezekiel. And, there's some, and the birds in, in, the, in the passage in Ezekiel represent the nations gathering under the church, under the, uh, under the kingdom of God for protection. 
And really, it's also an allusion to the Gentiles coming into the tree as well. So I'm wondering here if Jesus is also kind of picturing the fact that that not only will the church be a protection and a haven for us, but also showing that, hey, the Gentiles are going to be part of that one day too, which I think is very interesting. But, but, But the thought here for us is that God has given us a place of safety. God has given us a place not just to visit, but to lodge. And I want to encourage you to build your life around the local church. Build your life around the church. Don't just visit it. Live here. Not literally, because we will kick you out at some point. But I'm saying your calendar and your life should be built around what's happening at church. We're getting this backwards, and we're wondering why society's falling apart. We're wondering why our family's falling apart, because we're putting sports above church. We're putting hobbies above church. We're building our life around everything else and leaving the church to last. That's not God's philosophy. The church should be the first thing. And our calendar and our time should be centered around what's going on at church. Hey, you want to go to the Dodger game? No. But if you are a fan of the Dodgers, you want to go to the Dodger game? I got church tonight. I'd love to go if you're a Dodger fan, which I'm not. I'd love to, but I can't. Hey, you want to do the church? Church. We used to think in America church was important. I want to encourage you to stay in church. Stay under the protection of the house of God. Hey, there are things you will learn at church, and there are things that God wants to do in your life at church that are going to protect you from the attacks of the enemy out there. That's why you need to be in church. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So is God's philosophy, you know, as society gets more and more evil, you need less and less church? No. God's philosophy in here in the past, what I just read, is that as the day is getting more and more evil, you need more and more church. Hey, we we should just start a Monday night and Friday night Bible study too. We need more and more church, not less and less church. I read a joke about a man marooned on a desert island. After five years, the man was rescued from the deserted island. And the rescuers noticed when they picked him up, they said, hey, we see you made three grass huts. What's that about? And the guy said, well, the first hut is my home. The second hut is my church. And the guy said, well, what about the third? He said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. We need to get our minds right on the church. We need to sink our roots into the church. We need to be faithful to the church. Amen? All right. The church is a place of preaching. The church is a place of power. The church is a a place of prayer. The church is a place of protection. The church is to be a place of purity. The church is what Jesus established for our benefit, for our protection. Let's be in church. How do you view church today? What's your perception? Is it less than or is it greater than? How do you view your usefulness to God? I'm just less, I could never do it. Maybe God is viewing you differently. I wonder if you're allowing the power of God in your life to change you. Are we tapping into the power? How is our walk with God? But I also want to say, hey, I hope that we're going to be more and more in church instead of less and less. 
And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, all the promises we mentioned can be yours once you know Jesus as your Savior. The biggest thing for you in your life is to accept Christ as Savior so he can pay for your sins, so you don't have to go to hell and pay from yourself, but you can go to heaven and be with God forever, and you can have the Holy Spirit of God living inside your life. You can know Jesus if you've never been saved. I hope today would be the day you make that decision. Father, I pray that you'd bless us today. Thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, for those who maybe they felt less than,